And we're just going to be um, thinking about why, as a church, we say that we want to be rooted in the Word. Um, the Word that we're talking about there, the Word, rooted in the Word, it's God's Word. Like that, That's what we're talking about. We'll talk a bit about what that is. Um, now, I was on Instagram last night, and when my arm got tired from all the selfies, I thought, right, I'll, I'll, ser- I'll search for um, stuff to do with God's Word like that we're talking about today. So I searched for the hashtag God's Word, and there was well, sorry, 1.7 million posts. And I'm just going to read you the uh, top 10. Well, it's actually going to be the top 9 because one of them was a video. Um, I'm going to read you the top 10. I want you to try and spot the odd one out. Bear in mind, these have all been hashtagged by people with the hashtag God's Word. So I'm just going to read them out and just have a think. I'm not going to be asking people necessarily. I mean, you can shout out if you want, but um, there's no pressure here. Um, I'm just going to read them out and I want you to try and identify which you think is the odd one out. So the first one was, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. That was number one. Number two, in God's perfect timing, everything will turn out right. Number three, she's not waiting until things change. She is praising God where she is and while she's going through it. Number four, God is about to open some important doors in your life. Tell God, thank you. Um, Number five, no matter who hurt you or broke you down, God will lift you up and make you better than before. Number six, marriage is a mirror. It will reveal our immaturity, insecurities, imperfections, indecisiveness, and character flaws. Number seven, we don't love people in order to share our faith with them. Rather, we share our faith and ourselves with them in order to love them. Um, Number eight, I think, there is nothing God can't, can't do. Lord, I trust you in all circumstances. And number nine, God is going to transfer a major life-changing blessing to you. Tell God, thank you. Anybody want to offer a suggestion of what the odd one out is in there? Go on then. Why? Yeah, there's only one of those. All being hashtagged as God's word. Hashtag God's word. The person has chosen to put that hashtag on. The, reason, the first one is the odd one out because it's the only one that's actually from the Bible. The others are a mixture of things that like, are maybe based on things in the Bible. There's a quote from Tim Keller in there. Like, There's some good stuff, some not so good stuff in there. But there's only one of those um, that was actually from the Bible. And it just uh, made me think again about uh, what we're talking about today. There's a lot of confusion about God's Word in the Bible and like what that actually is. And that's not just um, in the world where um, some people are interested in the Bible, some people aren't. Even within the church, these are people who have uh, put posts out there, and these are the top ones, so they're getting, obviously, a lot of interactions with people. They've chosen to hashtag it with God's word, um, and most of it is not stuff from the Bible. There's a lot of confusion even within churches, within Christians, about uh, what God's word is and like why, it, why it's important. And so if one of our values as Grace Church is to be rooted in God's word, we want to just think about like what we mean by that and why we think it's so important. So that's what we are going to uh, think about today for a few minutes. Now, God's word, at sort of its most basic level, is what it says. Like, God's word is what he says. And so, there's a number of ways God's word comes out. Like, sometimes, it's like his voice. Like, in the first verses of the Bible, it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. So, he creates through his word. Sometimes in the Bible, um, God is speaking to people through prophets. And so, they say, like, the word of the Lord, according to Jeremiah, or somebody who's speaking God's word to people. Now, the importance of God's word is because God is invisible, and so God's word is how he reveals himself. It describes then in in the Psalms the creation, when we look around at the world God's made, that is like a voice speaking to us about God. 
So this idea of God's word um, then comes to mean how God reveals himself to us. The Bible itself is referred to as God's word. Now the clearest like, way that God reveals himself and what he's like is in Jesus. Like we're told in the verses we'll read in a minute, he's the image of God. Elsewhere it says it's the exact representation of God. And so you find then Jesus being described as the living word or the word made flesh. So they keep this idea going through of God's word is how he reveals himself. Now, we tend to use God's word as a shorthand to, to mean the Bible. Um, so when, when I'm talking about God's word today, I'm specifically talking about um, the Bible. And God reveals himself in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the primary way that he reveals himself is still today through the, through the Bible. And so uh, calling it God's word is just a helpful way, certainly for me, when I'm referring to the Bible as God's word, it's reminding me that I'm not just reading information, but when I open this and read it, it is God speaking to me. It's God's words. And so at Grace Church, one of our values is to be rooted in this word. We want our roots to be like where we're growing from, like the growth that happens we want the roots to be drawn, everything we need for that, from God's Word. So we're going to read what we've been doing um, over the last few weeks as we've looked at some of our church values is just looking through um, uh, one of the letters in the New Testament, uh, 2 Corinthians, um, and just looking at how they can shed some light on these values. And so we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today. Um, so it's on page 1,161. Um, if you've got one of the Bibles uh, near to you, 1,161, 1161. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's, we're just going to have a look at the first six verses here. I'll read that out now. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So this is a letter written by somebody called Paul. Um, and Paul wrote a lot of these uh, letters. Um, he's writing them to churches. So he spent um, his life, despite starting off with somebody who set out to try and shut down these churches that were worshipping Jesus, he encountered Jesus, his life was transformed, and he devoted the rest of his life to going around, telling people about Jesus, setting up churches in those areas, and then he would come back and visit them, or he would write letters to them, and that's what he devoted his life to. Paul was rooted in God's Word. He was constantly quoting the Old Testament, which to them at the time was, was the Bible that they had. He's constantly quoting it. He's constantly talking about how Jesus fulfilled it. He didn't think he was doing something new. He'd grown up as a Jew. Um, and he wasn't saying, oh, look, I'm, I've, I've renounced that and I'm now doing something new. He went to great lengths to try and show the people who he was talking to that what he was talking about, um, Jesus, was the fulfillment of all of that. So his entire life is rooted in God's word. Now, what he wrote went on to make like a large part of our New Testament as well. So we're dealing with somebody here who is really rooted in God's word. Now, he says in verse 1, 
um, since we have this ministry. And he's referring back to something in the previous chapter there where he describes like this ministry of the Spirit that they've got. And he's saying, we've got this ministry of the Spirit because the law, if you read the Bible as just this is what you need to do, then that brings death. But he's talking about the ministry of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit shows us what Jesus has done for us. He's fulfilled the Old Testament requirements, the law's requirements, and that brings life, it brings freedom to us. That's what he's talking about, and that's what he's teaching from God's Word. Now, some of the things that he writes in this letter are responding to criticisms about what he's done and, and his methods uh, that have come to that church in Corinth that he's writing to. And here he talks about God's word with a number of like do's and don'ts. He said, well, I don't do this, or we don't do this, we do do this, we don't do this, we, don't, we do do this. He's like defending what he was doing with God's word. And so I think it's helpful for us to have a look at just a few things that he says here uh, to show us what it means to be rooted in God's word. The first thing is verse 2. He says, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So what he doesn't do is he doesn't follow secret and shameful ways. And what he thinks those are, are using deception and distorting the word of God. He doesn't do those things. He says what he does do, on the other hand, is he sets forth the truth plainly. That's the, the, the word of God is the truth. Here. He sets forth, forth God's word plainly, commending his, uh, themselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So for Grace Church to be a church that's rooted in the word means we're not trying to use God's word to serve our purposes, but we're trying to sort of like set it forth plainly and let God's word set the agenda. What, what does it mean then to distort? He said, we don't distort the word of God. What, what does it mean? Well, the Bible's like quite a big book. Um, there's a lot in there. Sometimes it's difficult to understand, and that can be like individual verses or sentences you can read and be, be not sure what it means. But then also you can read one verse and go to the next and think, I'm not really sure how that follows on from that. Or the whole book as a whole, like how it all fits together. There's a lot of um, ways in which the Bible can be misunderstood or difficult to understand. There's a general sort of lack of knowledge about the Bible, and so that makes it very easy to distort what it means. So I've been in situations before where I've heard people say, well, Jesus never said anything about that. And I've thought, I, I think Jesus does say something about that. And then I've gone home and I've, I've looked it up, and Jesus did say something about that. But if I've been in a room of like 100 people, and somebody at the front who's teaching from the Bible said, Jesus said, never said anything about that, then maybe there's a few of us who went home and looked it up and found out, oh, that was wrong. But then there'll definitely be a few in there who think, oh, yeah, Jesus never said anything about that. And their, their understanding of who Jesus is and what he's taught has been like, like shaped by something that wasn't true. It's distorting the word of God. I've heard other things like the Bible doesn't teach this. Uh, or this, like, it's not included in this, or uh, just, like, like mistruths, or, um, like, omissions, or uh, sort of different ways of presenting things that leaves people or shapes their view of God incorrectly because it's distorting what's actually in the Bible. I mean, on the extreme end, the Bible's been used to defend slavery in the past. It's been used to defend, like, the oppression of women. Like, even Hitler sort of tried to use Jesus as, like, a defense for, like, a war on the Jews. 
Now, a careful reading of the Bible will show that it doesn't support any of those things, but with a book this size, it's definitely possible to take an isolated verse and use it to support something that the Bible doesn't support. It's easy to take things out of context and like leverage them for your own purposes, and that's what Paul means when he's he says he doesn't distort and deceive. Right, this is more, one of the more ridiculous ones, but I once heard somebody, it was on it like we, we were in America, um, and there's loads of TV um, channels there that have these televangelists on. And I always get like weirdly fascinated by watching them. And Lisa was like, will you turn that off? Anyway, I watched one once, and this guy um, read a verse from Joshua 23, verse 10, that says, one of you can put a thousand to flight because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised, right? That's a verse in the Bible. And he read that out and he said, that means that one of you watching this right now needs to call in and give a thousand dollars to this ministry. Now, that verse has nothing to do with that. But I don't know how many people watch that, but there's a high proportion, uh, like a high chance that somebody will have watched that and thought, oh, that's God's word and maybe that's speaking to me and so I need to give a thousand dollars. That's a more ridiculous example of how the word of God can be twisted. But we can also do it in much more subtle ways. Like the way we sort of like, uh, take like a pick and mix approach to the Bible like we really like that bit so we like read that again and we like write that up or get something with that printed out but then there's other bits that maybe we don't like and so we ignore those just concentrate on the bits that fit in with with what we think it's easy to distort the Bible and, and sort of try and make it serve your own purpose but Paul says he doesn't do that what he does is he sets forth the truth plainly he starts with the Old Testament, as I, I said earlier, about what the Old Testament teaches, and then he explains what Jesus has done in the light of that. He says he commends, he commends to everyone's conscience. He's not trying to manipulate people or coerce them. He's just saying, right, this is, this is what God's Word says. This is what we've seen um, Jesus do. And then it's up to the person to respond. He's not trying to manipulate or force them to do anything. He's laying it out there, setting it forth plainly, and then it's up to the person's own conscience to respond. And he recognises that he's doing it, he says, in the sight of God. Like, it's a serious task. It's not just, oh, yeah, let's say whatever we want about the Bible. If this is God's word, if we believe that, then, like, we need to, like Paul, take it seriously. I was listening to something the other day where somebody was talking about this performance of a piece of music they'd done, and they said when they came to do the performance, they found out just before they went on that the composer of the music had turned up to watch it. And they said, oh, like, it just like, really sort of, um, it transformed the way they were approaching it. They were suddenly a lot more nervous. And it's that sort of thing. Like, if this is God's word, then everywhere is in the sight of God. So this is in the sight of God now, what I'm saying from his word. So that should uh, make me think, hang on, I need to do a good job. I need to take this seriously. I need to work hard to make sure I'm not saying something that it isn't, that I'm not using it to serve my own purposes, that I'm not distorting it. Handling God's word is a responsibility. We should do it like Paul, humbly and diligently. So how does this work its way out in, in Grace Church? Well, we want to be a church that's shaped by God's word. Not just like we think these few things are good and like we'll find Bible verses to support it. We want God's word to set the agenda. So the vast majority of our time, what we're doing is just going through books of the Bible um, week after week, chapter one this week and chapter two next week, and just going through like that. And that, that's one of the ways you can let uh, God set the agenda through his word. If we're just doing any old thing, then 
I would probably just have the same few things that every time I spoke, because those are the things I like, I'd go for those things. And then Scott would have a few things and we'd just keep on cycling through the few things that we like. But by going through books of the Bible like that, it often forces us to deal with things that we'd never want to. I can think of a few examples where I thought, oh, why has Ben put me down for that week? I don't know what to say about that. It allows God to set the agenda through his word. Even when we... Um, are doing things that are um, more based on themes rather than going through specific books. We want to see, well, what does, what does God's word have to say about those things? Uh, we've had a number of sessions where we've said, well, yeah, what does God's word say about mental health? Or what does God's word say about this? And, and we're trying to trace that through uh, the whole of the Bible. We spend a lot of time reading and discussing the Bible together in life groups. That's uh, what we try and do, one-to-one, smaller meetings. Uh, we spend a lot of time looking at the Bible, reading it, and trying to work out what it's saying. Now, if you're here um, as a non-Christian today, you, you don't know what you think about Jesus, we're grateful that you're here. Like, we love having you. Grace Church is made up of a variety of people, some who've been following Jesus for years, some who aren't sure whether they want to do that, and that's fine. What I would say is there's no better way to find out what it's all about than reading the Bible yourself. Um, there are people within the church who, who'd love to meet up with you and just read through a bit and, and see what you think about it. There's no better way to find out what Jesus is about than doing that. So many times people have rejected Jesus, rejected Christianity based on, um, like, oh, I heard this once, or I had this experience with this person once. Like, if you're going to reject Jesus, you want to actually know what it is that you're rejecting. So I would encourage you to get into um, the, the Gospels. Those are the books that are like biographies of Jesus' life. Um, and read through those and find out what Jesus is like, like for yourself and make your decision from there. As the, the leaders of the church, um, for, for me and, and Ben and Scott, we, we want to take this seriously. Uh, what it means to be rooted in God's word means that we are going to work hard to explain like what the Bible says rather than just like sort of spouting off our own opinions. We spend time like studying it. We spend time preparing it. We sort of try and work together to do that. Um, one of my favourite uh, meetings I've ever had with uh, Ben and Scott, the three of us, was we spent most of it talking about the book of Ecclesiastes before we were going to uh, teach through that in Grace Church and just talking about, like, oh, do, like, is it right to interpret it like this? Or I can't remember the details of the conversation. All I can remember is I thought, oh, that was a brilliant conversation. I'm glad we've had it. Um, we once spent in a, like we, in a planning meeting that we had with um, the three of us and, and some others when we were going to be looking at Romans, spent almost the full hour on a single verse of Romans saying, well, does it mean this or does it mean that and what are the implications of that? A few weeks ago, after a sermon that I'd done, we discussed it between the three of us um, and Bennett said, oh, I noticed that you spent a lot of time emphasising like the first bit of the passage, but not the second bit and like what was your thought process on that? And it was just helpful to talk through that. Um, see, was there a reason why I'd emphasise one bit and the other? Now, I'm not saying any of that to say, oh, look at these, what are these meetings. What I'm saying is, we're trying to take this seriously. Like, we don't just want to rock up and say, oh, well, yeah, I think this is this. Like, we want to try and, as leaders, prepare for this, take it seriously. Not, we don't want to distort the word of God. We want to just like, try and set it forth plainly as best we can. As a church, we want to train people up to, to be able to do that. How to read the Bible, how to read the different uh, types of uh, literature that's in the Bible. But to be, 
as a church, to be rooted in God's word isn't just for the leaders, although that's an important part of it. It's for all of us. And it starts with like reading the Bible. It starts there. You can't survive off what other people tell you about the Bible. You've got to read it for yourself or hear, hear God's word, listen to it for yourself. And that's like at all levels. Like some people are going to be studying the, like the original languages and in, in, in the grammar of the Greek and stuff like that. I can't do that. I'm glad some people are doing that. But it's from that level to just getting started with the Bible and reading a couple of verses and it's the first thing you've ever read in there. At all those levels, God will speak to you through it. Just I was thinking about reading the Bible. I'm going to move on in this uh, passage in a second. I just thought like three things that I think help um, is think about how to read it carefully in context and in community if we want to read carefully by that I mean we're not just like whizzing through it and think oh whatever but we're trying to think about it like what does that mean asking questions of it uh, trying to consider it we want to read it in context trying to understand how it fits in with the other verses around it and how it fits in with the bible as a whole most of the problems that you get with like sort of strange views of of uh, what the Bible says and what Christianity is about comes from taking individual verses out of context. So we want to read around it and understand how this fits in with everything else God has said. And we want to read it in community. If you're never in discussion with anybody else about this, if I'm never in discussion with anybody else about the Bible, then I'm going to start developing my own like unique interpretations about what things mean. We want to be discussing it with other people. We want to be reading it in the context of like what have other people said about this for the 2,000 years of Christian history. All of that is including what it means to like try and not distort it, uh, not deceive with it, but set it forth plainly. On this, I absolutely love uh, this group of people known as uh, the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. And Paul has gone to this place, Berea, and he's teaching about Jesus uh, to the Jews there. Um, and it says, um, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in uh, Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So I absolutely love this because they're not cynical. They're receiving what he says with eagerness, like they're glad to hear what he's got to say, but then they don't just take his word for it. They go away and start examining the scriptures to see if what he said was true. And I think that's a, like a great um, example for us. When we're up here, like when um, somebody's teaching, we, we listen to it and say, all right, you, we're not like thinking, oh, I'm like looking to pick fault with everything that's being taught. But also, don't just take my word for it. Read for yourself and see if what I'm saying is true. To be rooted in the word means that we don't distort the word of God, but we set it forth plainly. We don't try and shape the Bible like we let the Bible shape us as individuals and as a church. Let's keep reading verse 3 and 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Um, reading the Bible is not just like studying any other book. It's a spiritual activity, and what Paul's saying here is it's a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare going on. It says the God of this age, by which he means the devil, like our enemy, is, is veiled or, or blinded um, people to the, the gospel, the, the word of God. There's a barrier to understanding it. There's a barrier to seeing Jesus in it. It's a battle. So yes, we want to um, study God's word and set it forth plainly, like handle it as best we can. But that doesn't mean that automatically everybody will see how glorious Jesus is. 
because we don't just need a brilliant explanation from me today. What we need is blind eyes to be open to the, to the light. When Jesus is walking around, he uh, calls the Pharisees, who were experts in God's word, he calls them um, blind, and then he goes and heals a man that was born blind as an example of what he's talking about. They were experts on God's word, but they totally missed the point because the point of God's word was standing right in front of them and they were rejecting him. Jesus said this to the, the, the Pharisees, who, as I said, they were experts in what God had um, said. They were experts in God's law. said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. That's a, like a scary verse. Like you've devoted your entire life to studying the scriptures, but you haven't realized they're teaching about me, but you're not coming to me. That's what Jesus said to them. It's possible to study the Bible, study God's word, to know loads about it, to like it, but to miss the life that Jesus provides. To miss the point, because the point is Jesus. The enemy doesn't want you reading the Bible, but if you are going to read it, he doesn't want you seeing the glory of Jesus in it, so he'll, he'll get you distracted with other things. The goal is then just not more knowledge of God's word, like more knowledge about what verse is which, it's to know God through his word. It's getting to know him through his word. He's the goal. Grace Church wants to be rooted in God's word because that's how we access our relationship with him. He's the point. There was a period um, when uh, me and Lisa, Lisa and my wife, um, when um, I was living in Manchester, she was living uh, near Newcastle, and it was in the days before mobile phones were common, so we used to write letters to each other. I absolutely loved those letters, but I loved them because that was the way that I was finding out what was going on with Lisa and like what she was doing and what she was thinking. I loved the letters, but I loved the letters because I loved her. The letters weren't the point. She was the point. It's the same thing with the Bible. We love the Bible because it's how we see who God is. John Piper, who's somebody who absolutely loves the, the, the Bible and is committed to sort of learning and like deep knowledge of the Bible, says this. Our Bible reading is never just for seeing, never just for learning and doctrine. It's not even just for savouring, if that savouring is thought of in a private way that leaves us unchanged in our relationship. No, we read the Bible, we always read the Bible, for the kind of seeing and savouring Christ that transforms us into his likeness. It's not just reading it for, for more knowledge. Like the, the, that, the, like the enemy would be happy with that because there's a veil down to the glory of Christ if you're doing that. So people are blinded so that they can't see the glory of Christ who is the image of God um, in the gospel, in the word of God. There's a battle there. We need that blindness to be removed or the veil, as he says in the previous verse, to be removed. So what does that mean? Well, it means we need to, when we're going to read the Bible, we need to pray. When we open the Bible, pray that God would open our eyes to see what he's saying. Pray that he would open our eyes so that we don't miss Jesus. We don't miss how glorious Jesus is when we're reading it. Pray that we wouldn't miss the point. Pray that as a church, we wouldn't be a church that's got absolutely loads of knowledge about the Bible, um, but our hearts are like shriveled up in terms of our relationship with him. Pray that we get to know, the, know God through his word, not just become obsessed by his word. And in verse 5, uh, Paul says, What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
when Paul's going around teaching God's word, he's not like proclaiming himself. He's proclaiming Jesus as Lord. He says he sees himself as a servant, not the hero. Now, I like doing this. I like, I like studying to, like the Bible to prepare um, for a sermon. Um, I enjoy getting, putting it together. Um, and I actually quite enjoy like, delivering it. I don't find myself getting nervous. I, I quite like doing it. And I want to try and do a good job. So how often I do that is debatable, but I, like, I try my best to do a good job. However, if, if you're going away thinking, I'm not saying that this is what you would be thinking today, but if you were to go away saying, oh, I think Michael did a good job there today, then I've completely failed. Because the aim is for us all to go away thinking how good God, God is, how, like, how amazing that God's revealed himself to us through his word. How, like, I want to know more of him. It's a big danger that, that Paul says about like proclaiming yourself. It's a big danger for uh, somebody doing like something public facing like this. Um, but it exists for all of us in conversations when you're talking about, about the Bible or anything else. Like there's a temptation to make yourself the hero. We can even do it when there's nobody else around. It's easy to um, read, and, read the Bible yourself and it becomes all about me. What do I get out of it? How do I feel about it? The Bible's not primarily about you. It's about God. It's about who he is and what he's done. Now, it certainly involves you, and it's absolutely brilliant news for you, but you're not the hero of the story. I don't read the Bible to make myself feel better. I read it to get to know God better. For Grace Church, to be rooted in the Word means that we... We need to be a family of servants, like Paul describes here, pointing each other and other people to Jesus, the hero. So Paul's been talking there about what he does and what he doesn't do in terms of how he sets forth God's word to people, how he teaches God's words to people. But as he said there, it's, it's Jesus who's the hero, not him. And that's what we see next in some of the, the best verses in this letter. Verse 6, For God, who said... Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God's word created light. He says, um, as I said, right at the start of the Bible, God says, let there be light, and there is light. It just occurs. He speaks it into existence. God's word is like powerful. It's effective. It does things. We can't do that. Our words don't do that. If you're not sure about that, just come to our house about half, seven, eight o'clock every night and you'll hear me going, teeth, teeth, about 25 times. doesn't make it happen. Uh, whereas God can just say light and light comes into existence. And what Paul's saying here is just like God spoke light into existence in creation, he's made his light shine in our hearts. And like what he says happens. So if he said you've got a new heart, you've got one. If he said you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If he said you're accepted, welcomed, adopted, you are all those things because what God says happens. We've sung, uh, like, I am who you say I am. That's not just me thinking, oh, well, God said this, and so i like, if he says it, that is a fact. If he says those things about me, then I am those things because what he says happens. Just like he spoke light into existence, he shone his light into our hearts, it says he's given us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. So he opens our eyes. If we're talking about the fact that we're blind to see 
uh, Jesus right in front of us in God's word. He opens our eyes to that. He takes away this veil. He allows us to see Jesus. The enemy blinds us, brings darkness. There's less understanding of what life's about. More confusion, more fear. But God shines his light and brings life, brings joy, brings the, like the absence of fear, brings peace. If you've ever read something in the Bible and thought, that, that, that seems like it's speaking directly to me, that's evidence of God shining his light into your heart. If you've ever heard about somebody speak about something from God's word and it sort of stirred you like internally, that, that's evidence of uh, God shining his light into your heart. If you've ever heard somebody read something from the Bible and you've thought, oh, Jesus sounds like quite good, actually. Like, that's evidence of God shining his light into your heart because without that, we'd just be blinded, think, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what that is about that. But we, we miss Jesus. When he shines his light into our heart, we can see Jesus. We can see his glory. It says here we see the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. If being rooted in the Word depended on us, then it would be a total waste of time. It would be like sat in a dark room trying to read the, like, the tiny text of it. It would be a total waste of time. It's possible for us to be rooted in the Word as individuals, as a church, because of this light that He shines. He shows us Himself. He reveals Himself through His Word. To be rooted in the Word as Grace Church means we want to focus on what He says in His Word, not our own ideas and agendas. It means that we don't want to be satisfied with just increasing our knowledge about the Bible, but to have God shine the light of the glory of Christ into our minds and hearts as we read. And it means that as a church, we want the light of the glory of God revealed in this book to illuminate everything we do as a church and to illuminate every part of our lives. I was just, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, imagine like on a, some sort of film, if they open a book and there's like light shining out of it. I don't know what sort of film that would be, but just imagine that sort of special effect. Like It's like we're saying, as Grace Church, we want to have everything we've done illuminated by this light, um, like the, the light that shines to us, that, that reveals God's glory in the face of Christ. In every part of my life, it's like I'm opening it and the light's shining out into me. Um, I, want it, I want to be illuminated, every part of my life, with God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We want to shine that light everywhere, like, so it touches every aspect of our lives, every aspect of the life of Grace Church. We're going to sing in a second about that God shining his light and asking him to do that. I'm just going to leave you with um, three quotes here about what it means for a church to be, um, to be uh, rooted in God's word. Matt Chandler, who's a, um, the leader of a church in America, said, Martin Luther called the church the creature of the word. What he meant was that the church is not a human invention or institution. It was birthed from God's word. God spoke and created the universe. God spoke to Abraham and created Israel. And in the same way, God created the church through the proclaimed gospel of the revealed word, Jesus Christ. And Matt Chandler was talking about Martin Luther here. And Martin Luther himself said this, Since the church owes its birth to the word, it is nourished and aided and strengthened by it. It's obvious that it cannot exist without the word. And then Jesus himself said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray.